Uh, great privilege for me to get to share some thoughts this morning that, uh, that I feel and hope will be relevant to us. Uh, I'm going to be speaking today uh, out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and uh, the kind of core idea I'm going to be talking about today is the fact that your time will come. And we're going to explore that together. Uh, many years ago when I was at university, I just got saved and I was flatting with a friend of mine and a, a couple of girls that needed a flat and, and we were all flatting together. Um, one of the girls uh, was a relatively attractive blonde girl who never had any shortage of men chasing after her. Uh, but she was a wee bit of a drama queen and I remember one, uh, one evening there was a, a party on at our flat. Um, I wasn't particularly involved but there was some dramas going on and I remember chatting with her and she was all wound up about something and I remember saying something super helpful like, you know, calm down um, because of course we know that if someone's not calm, uh, boy, there's nothing more useless than saying to someone, calm down. So anyway, and, and she responded with, it's not easy being popular, you know. <laughs> and I wanted to say to her, you think being popular is easy? You want to try being unpopular. Now that's a tough gig. Um, but of course, I wasn't very clever or witty, and so I think I came up with that wonderful reply about a year later when I was thinking of it at some point. So I kind of missed the opportunity to be cool in the moment, but that happens. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we also want to be cool and clever, uh, or maybe we want to be fast and strong, like Chris Smiley, fast and strong and good looking. Great TV, Chris. Um, or, or maybe we want to be good-looking, or at least if we can't be any of those things, we want to be wealthy, right? Because there's something in life that tells us is that if, we, if we're fast or strong or cool or, or, or good-looking or wealthy, then what that means is that we'll be happy. And yet all you've got to do is look at the news on any given night, and you'll see all of the examples out there of, or you won't see all of them, but you'll see some of the examples of people out there who seem to have everything going for them, and yet happiness, sadly, seems to elude them. It doesn't often work out the way we sometimes think it will. I remember back to people I've known, and I'm sure you guys know people like this as well. I remember uh, when I was at school, we had this particular guy, a really good-looking guy, uh, who was super popular in about year 12, which was sixth form in the old system. And, you know, he was just, man, this guy was just the guy. He had everything going for him. And yet you fast forward a few years later, he's a hopeless drug addict. And I remember he used to just sit on the side of the road and watch cars go by all day, stoned completely out of his head. Absolutely tragic. Uh, I know another guy, actually, in my year 13 group, uh, who was a super athletic guy, who just kind of disappeared into obscurity. Uh, and it seemed that it was because... He missed out on getting into a top team and he just couldn't cope with not being first. And he didn't pursue anything else again that I'm aware of. And then there's the guy I knew at uni. He was basically an alcoholic. Uh, I mean, he was a fascinating character, I tell you. If you'd said to me, of all the people you know, who's not going to make it? I'm like, I know one guy. And yet here we are all these years later. He's now a good friend of mine. He is a millionaire. Uh, he's been married to the same girl for uh, about 25 years. He's got kids who are doing unbelievably well, and he's about to retire so he can you know, spend the rest of his time pursuing his athletic endeavors. Sometimes you just can't pick how life is going to roll. And Solomon noted this uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. He says this, he says, 
I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, the 30th president of the United States, uh, President Calvin Coolidge, he said a bunch of interesting things uh, in his lifetime. He's a very quotable guy, but he said some comments on this topic as well. Regarding talent, he noted that nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Regarding intelligence, he said that unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Regarding education, he said that the world is full of educated derelicts. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But as Solomon noted, time and chance happen to us all. And here's what I want you to realize today, that your time will come. And sometimes we can live our lives going, looking at other people around us going, well, they got their lucky break and they got their lucky break and where's my lucky break? But you know, the Word of God tells us that time and chance come to all of us. And one of the key questions we need to look at today is when it comes our way, will we be ready? Will we be ready firstly even to see it? And then secondly, will we be ready to capitalize on it? Today, I want us to look at three people in the Scriptures, really ordinary, average people, people like me, maybe people like you. But these were people who were ready when their time came. The first one we're going to look at is this pretty average guy in the Old Testament called Jerub Baal, known better to us as Gideon. Now, Gideon, you know, he, he was in a tough place. And, and what happened was God sent an angel to prophesy over him. I don't know if you ever had anyone prophesy over you. It's, you know, when, when kind of God steps into your world and brings a message to you, it can be pretty amazing. And, and this guy didn't have someone. He had an angel prophesying over him. And what was interesting is that his response is all the reasons why what God said about his future could not come to pass. He explained to God that this wasn't going to happen because he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't the smartest, and he wasn't the bravest. Let me read this to you in Judges 6 verse 15. God had said to him, guess what? I've chosen you. You're a mighty warrior and you're going to save Israel. And here's what he says. He says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Wow. Check out that self-esteem. Check out that level of confidence. God, God it's, it's yeah. thanks God, but You don't know who I am. And yet this is a fascinating story because what what Gideon did was he committed himself to take small steps, small steps of obedience, even though he was very often afraid to do so. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, had the privilege of attending a funeral uh, of a wonderful uh, guy, uh, this South African couple, they'd actually been in our small group when we first came up here to Auckland, which was amazing, and he tragically died in a motorcycle accident. And his wife got up and gave just an absolutely beautiful uh, tribute to him. But one of the things she said about her husband is she said, he taught me to do things while afraid. He taught me to do things while afraid. 
You know, very often, fear can be a great excuse for us to not do things, to not obey God, to not step out and do the things that we feel we are called to do. And Gideon is a great example of someone who acted despite his fear. Let's look at some of the steps that he he took. Firstly, God asked him to make an offering. Now, you know, take some of this precious food. When, when your country is basically in a famine, when all the available food has been taken away by this massive invading army, when, when they are living on the very edge of starvation, God comes and says, Gideon, I want you to sacrifice some of your food for me. Man, that is tough, but he did it. You know, great destinies are very often sparked in small offerings made in obedience. Let me say that again. Great destinies are very often sparked in small offerings made in obedience. Let me ask you this morning, are you in obedience to what the scriptures say yourself about your giving? Are you taking a little bit of what God has blessed you with and and in some way, shape or form, giving it back to honor him? I mean, scriptures are pretty clear on that. But it's hard and it's difficult at times and we can be fearful when we don't have a whole lot to do that. And you've got to understand, I'm not just trying to, I'm not trying to say, hey, you should take some money and give it to us. I don't care who you give it to. Uh, if you don't want to give it here, that's fine. Uh, we give a portion of our income into this church. But if you don't want to, I would be more excited for you to take a little bit of what God has given and give it away to some missionary, give it away to a guy busking on the street. I don't care, but what I most want you to see is that when we do that, when we take that step of obedience, God does something. God does something in our finances. God brings something into our lives that brings us freedom and liberty. And I challenge you to try it. Take that small step of obedience. Gideon did. The next thing that Gideon had to do was that God told him to get rid of Israel's altar to Baal. Now, it's a big deal, right? He's going to go in and, and kind of knock this thing down. And that's obviously quite scary because there are going to be a bunch of people who are pretty ticked off about it. And so uh, Gideon said, look, okay, God, I'll do this. But if we read the story, we find out he was too afraid to do it during the day. So he got up at night, snuck out and did it in the middle of the night. But he did it. God says, you need to get rid of that. And he was afraid. But he did it anyway. Small steps. Can I ask you? Is there something in your life that you need to get rid of? That maybe in some way is hindering you living the way God really wants you to live? Maybe holding you back from some aspect of your relationship with God? Being afraid is not an excuse for disobedience. Maybe you need to take that little step of faith and see what God will do. The next thing that Gideon had to do is he had to stand up and blow the trumpet, realizing that, Uh, that what God is talking about here is gathering Israel around him to go to war. And again, this is the biggest step, right? This is something a little bit scary. But again, Gideon did it. Can I say to you, maybe you're here today and maybe your next step is God wants you to gather. Look, we've got so many smart, wise, experienced people here. If you've been resisting, starting a small group and you've been feeling like God's been telling you to do it for ages, can I encourage you to take a step of faith? There'll be a whole bunch of people who would love to hang out and learn a little off you and share some of what they've got going on and have you as an encouraging voice in their lives. 
If God is speaking, I'm not saying just go and start a small group. What I'm saying is, if you're here and you've felt that nudge somewhere along the line, that God's saying, I want you to gather some people. I want you to bring them around your house. I want you to make a cup of tea. I want you to do a small group. Do it. Experiment. Take a punt. Say, we're going to do it for six months. And if it doesn't work, we won't tell anyone. But step out in obedience for what God is asking you to do. Because you see, small steps finally, eventually, are always followed by big steps. You know, if we read through Gideon's story, he had more steps than just these, but then finally it came to the one night when he had to take the big step, and God said to him, okay, now you and the small band of men, you are going to go to war against this absolutely massive army, and you're going to do it not with any weapons, just with torches, pottery jars, and trumpets. If it was me, I'd be a little bit concerned. But when Gideon's time came, he was ready. And here's the thing. He was still afraid. In fact, we read this in the scriptures. Listen to this. Judges chapter 7, verse 9. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up. Go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. Here, Here it is. If you are afraid to attack... Go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. So what does that tell us? He went down. Why? Because he was afraid. It's fine to be afraid. And sometimes we are afraid about things that cognitively make no sense to us. But we sabotage ourselves from taking those little steps. We, we talk ourselves out of it. We rationalize it. Well, I'm telling you, if God is telling you to take a small step, take it. Because he is preparing you for when your time comes. In the end, getting led Israel to victory. The land had peace for over four decades as a result. Man, it's the power of small steps. He was ready when his time came. You see, all of Gideon's little steps were preparing him for that big step that would take him and his nation through to a place of victory and freedom. Can I say to you, all of your small steps are preparing you for the time when God asks you to take a big step. And if you are ready and you do, you will step into a different place of influence and freedom than you could imagine. You know, some of you are here today Some of you are doing minimum wage jobs. But I'm telling you, if you are faithful to keep taking the steps the Lord is encouraging you to to take one day, you will not be earning minimum wage anymore. God will bring something into your world that absolutely surprises you. Look, it is tough to be on a minimum wage job. I know I've been there plenty of times myself. But if you can be faithful in taking the steps God has called you to take, learn the lessons. I promise you the day will come. The day will come when you have opportunities to earn a whole lot more than what you're doing. And not only will you be prepared to take the step financially, but you'll be so much more of a better leader when God brings those opportunities along. You know what it is to be in the trenches. You know what it is to do the hard graft. You'll be a kind of leader who values your frontline people at a whole different level because of it. Trust the Lord. Take those steps. Some of you, uh, you you feel stuck at home raising kids. And and let's just say right off the top, I don't know if there's a more important job on the planet than raising kids. 
But I also know that sometimes it's easy to feel stuck when you're in that season. I tell you, keep taking the steps the Lord is calling you to take. Because one day, not only will you have raised amazing adults, but one day God will use you to raise something else. Will you be raising leaders? Will you be raising businesses? Will you be raising finances? Will you be raising the dead? I don't know. But I tell you one thing, God uses small steps to prepare us for big steps. Your time will come. Some of you are looking after small responsibilities, small ministries, small groups. But if you are faithful to keep taking the steps the Lord is calling you to take, then one day you won't be looking after small anymore. You'll be looking after big, big responsibilities, big churches, big businesses. Your time will come. Will you be ready? The second person we're going to look at this morning is a a woman who is an immigrant, an immigrant to Israel, someone who had lost her husband at a young age. I mean, that is a tough gig. Her name was Ruth, and she had followed her mother-in-law as they had left Moab to return to Israel. And she is now someone in a tough place. She is someone who's maybe looked down on a little bit as a foreigner. And she is in this environment where she's got to find her way forward. But here's what we learn about Ruth. We learn that she was someone who was willing to humble herself and take advice. In Ruth chapter 3 verse 5, when her mother-in-law Naomi gave her some advice that turned out to be absolutely pivotal for her life, this was her reply. Ruth 3 verse 5. I will do whatever you say. She knew the power of humbling herself and taking advice from wise people. She went on and she took that advice. She won the heart of a man who became her husband, turned out to be the most successful man in the town that they were in. Through that, they saw Naomi's family uh, finances restored. Not only that, she became the great-grandmother of King David himself. Not only that, she is listed in the lineage of Jesus himself. Unbelievable. Her time came and she was ready. Let me ask you, are you going to do it your way? Or are you going to humble yourself to ask what the best way is? Your time will come if you will take wise advice from the smart people around you. Look, I love everyone in this church, but I really love oh, Shane down here. Now, Shane, he's an immigrant. He moved to New Zealand. He he started a business, became a builder, started his own construction company. He did very, very well. Came to this church, got saved, found himself a very pretty wife. He's now got a family. Then he stepped out of business and and came and started working for the church. He was our outreach pastor, first of all. Now he's our associate pastor. I mean, this guy is just doing fantastic. Last year, he took over Growth Track, which is a, 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 a kind of ministry area we run across all of our campuses, and he became the head of department across all of our campuses. And he was asked to speak at a, a network day, sorry, a um, yeah, network day, when we pull all of our pastors from our campuses together. And they said, Shane, we want you to take the session on Growth Track, you know, hit that value nice and high, remind everyone of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Well, I tell you, it was quite the day. Shane is up there doing it, and Shane is killing it. I mean, it is unbelievable. On the front row is our national leader, Boyd ratner and I'm sitting like on the left about three rows back watching, and you can see Boyd just going, who is this guy? 
This guy is unbelievable. As soon as the session finished, Boyd is like, I want to take this guy around the country with me. He's got to go to all of our churches, and he's coming with me today. And I said, look, man, that's totally fine, but you better ask Shane. So we went over and asked Shane. I said, Shane, I want you to come with me on a plane today. We're going to take you our network days. And what does Shane do? You know what his reply was? Let me ask my wife first. <laughs> and you know what? She said yes. And he did go around all the other regionals in the country, and people absolutely loved him. It was unbelievable. I tell you, you know what Pastor Shane's superpower is? His superpower is like Ruth. He's willing to humble himself and take advice. And it's one of the first things that I noticed when I first met this man. I get the feeling that we have yet to see what God's going to do with this man in Elam, in New Zealand. Amen? Your time will come. Will you be ready? And then on to the third person today, Matthias. Matthias is probably the apostle you've never heard of. Matthias is one of the guys who followed Jesus from the earliest days. He was there right from the beginning when John the Baptist is preaching in the wilderness. He's there as Jesus began to grow in popularity. And then Jesus goes up on the mountain. He's going to come down. He's going to pick 12 disciples. Man, it must have been an exciting time. And then Jesus comes down. He reads out the names. And Matthias didn't make it. He's not on the list. I wonder how he felt, right? Because he was overlooked. How easy is it when we are overlooked to get a little disappointed, to get a little bitter, maybe to give up, maybe to start blaming other people. But you know what? Time and chance come to every one of us. And if we fast forward the story three years, it turns out that Matthias hung in there. He wasn't part of the 12, but he was part of this wider group that were always there, followed Jesus everywhere, saw everything that he did. And so now we're at the very end of this part of the story. Jesus has been crucified. He's been killed, and he's gone into the grave, and then he's been raised from the dead. And then he's, he's, for 40 days, he's been with the disciples. It's been an unbelievable time. Now Jesus has ascended, and the guys are now they're ready for this, this promise that Jesus talked about, the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And Peter has this conversation and says, the 12 are now 11 because Judas had committed suicide. See, we need someone else. Let me read this to you from Acts chapter 1. Peter speaking, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known Justice, and Matthias. Who the heck is Matthias? Then they prayed. Now listen to this. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Peter stands up and says, we've got to replace Judas. We've got to replace Judas. And he, and he prays, he says, God, we've got these two guys, and here's the thing. He says, God, you know these guys' heart. Now, that is so interesting. They weren't looking for a guy with the skills. They weren't looking for the guy with the right CV. They were looking for the guy with the right heart. And God said, Matthias is the guy. Let me say, your 
time will come if you keep your heart right. Don't get bitter. Don't get disappointed. Don't give up and blame others. You see, the test is not, is your heart right? The test is, is your heart right when you've been overlooked? Is your heart right when you've missed out on a place, when you've missed out on a job or a promotion, or when you've been corrected or demoted or set aside? That's when it matters. You see, in John chapter 15, Jesus gives us this picture, right? He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He's he's painting this picture of, of a vine that produces fruit, speaking of the purpose that we each have in our lives. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that we're created for fruitfulness. We're created to make a difference beyond ourselves in the lives of other people. But then Jesus says this, he says, that God comes and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. Now, I get the cutting off, the cutting away of things in my life that aren't quite right, that aren't quite fruitful, that things that are not working for me. I get that. God comes, he says, this habit, this attitude, this problem, this thing, you got to deal with this. You know, Little dishonesties and little things that we do in our lives, God says, no, that has to be surrendered to me. That has to be cut away. I get that. But then we find out that God also brings his cuttings to area of our lives that are fruitful, that are great, that we're doing well in. You see, the problem is that to an immature heart, when God comes to us and when we're doing great, he says, yeah, but that attitude needs to be worked on and that thing in your life. The problem is if we're a little immature, maybe, that feels like unfairness. That's like, you've got to be kidding me, God. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm being kind. I'm helping people. I'm, I'm doing all these things, God. And seriously, like, where's the pat on the back? Where's the praise? Where's the, hey, well done? It feels like all I'm getting is, well, that's kind of what I expected, but you still got to work on this. And Jesus says in Luke 17, will the master thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, We're unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Because it feels like it's not fair sometimes. And that's the great challenge when we feel overlooked. The test of unfairness is a key to great fruitfulness. Will you keep your heart right? Because your time will come. Will you be ready? Many years ago, when I was an intern myself, a couple of older leaders took credit for the ideas of myself and another intern, and there was nothing we could do about it. They got great favor with the pastor, and it was just, it was just a gutting situation. And I remember sitting in our car, uh, Liz is working late, I'm, I'm sitting in the car waiting for her to finish, to come out from work, and I'm sitting there in this, just this deep wrestle, what am I going to do? Where am I going to land on this? And it came down to this. I had to ask myself, is my future held in the hands of men and women? Or is my future held in the hands of the Lord? Because if my future is in the hands of men and women, I better fight for it. Because no one else is going to fight for me. But if my future is in the hands of the Lord, then I need to let this go. I need to keep my heart right. I need to trust that time and chance will come. And that's exactly what happened. And that was a pivotal decision for me then because it meant that actually what happens in my life isn't dependent upon me, isn't dependent on me getting all the credit even. 
You know, as I went on, as I moved into senior leadership positions, letting others take credit for my ideas enabled me to see great changes take place in situation after situation. Can I say that in my example, my time came and I was ready. When your time comes, as it will and as it will again, will you be ready? Let me summarize. Number one, be faithful with your small steps like Gideon. Do what God is asking you to do, even if you are afraid. Be faithful. You know, one year I, uh, when I was an intern, I felt to volunteer for Kids Church. My gosh. That, that was problematic because I don't really like kids. I, I like my kids. I like Chris and Christine's kids. I don't like most kids. Uh, on Thursday, we, we have uh, like a midweek program here with lots and lots of little kids. And if we have urban mums, then all the staff have to come down here and look after kids. If you see me, I'm usually standing somewhere over here, like just a, a very thin thread short of a panic attack. It's not my comfortable place, but I did kids' church for two years. I didn't do it very well. Uh, I wasn't very good at building a team. I wasn't very good at delegating. I was not very good at keeping things simple. But I kept taking the steps God called me to take. And guess what? My time came first to teach in a high school, which was awesome, and then to lead a church as well, which took me right back to the words of my pastor who said, if you can lead kids' church, then you can lead adult church because in reality, the behavior of both groups can be about the same. Keep taking the steps. Second thought is this. Be humble and take advice from others like Ruth. I remember a time when I was tasked with starting our university ministry at our Elam Church in Dunedin. And I felt God was challenging me to build it entirely upon this manual we'd been given from another university ministry. And I was gutted. I had all these cool ideas I was going to do. I'm like, God, but I've got all these great ideas. I've got all these cool things I can do. And I felt God saying to me again and again, do it by the book. Do it by the book. Do it by the book. And so with gritted teeth and almost in tears, I said, all right, God, I will do it by the book. Fast forward two or three years and we had an unbelievably healthy growing university ministry, which still is in operation today. Can I say to you, humble yourself and take advice from wise people. If you do in small things, then you will be ready when your time comes with bigger things. And then finally, keep your heart right, like Matthias. Will you deal with the test of unfairness? Will you keep your heart right when difficult things happen, when you are overlooked, when you are passed by. For I'm telling you, if you will keep your heart right, your time will come. You know, over the years I've seen something, and I bet you have too, that the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to us all. Your time will come and your time will come again. Will you be ready? Come on, let's pray. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord. God, for your word, your great encouragement to us, God, to keep taking steps, God, to, to stay humble, God, to seek wise advice, Lord, and to keep our heart right. God, I pray for every one of us here today that you will show us Lord, what the next steps are for us in the season that we are in. In Jesus' name, amen.